0: Every decision they make can have an effect on our lives. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall.
1: I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. Today, our fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack. America's not the same as it was
2: 100
3: years ago. The violent mayhem we have seen in the streets and cities that are run by liberal Democrats.
0: This is Our Lives in Politics, With your host, Booker, and co-host, Lou Besada. Listen to me. I I want you to hear this. I've talked to the others, and we've decided we would not be pawns in these hijackers' plot. Because this country's institutions, from the three-letter agencies, public schools, and now corporations to universities across this land, they have been hijacked. Politicians go to Washington, D.C., never to return home. They're permitted to trade stocks on insider information and grow generational wealth for their families, while rarely creating solutions for American families. In fact, their decisions in many cases have destroyed the nuclear family, destroyed the American dream. The American middle class is shrinking daily, while the elites make rules and laws for us that they have no intentions of ever following for themselves. Decisions by our highest courts are being ignored by the executive branch. Their solution is to add more justices so they can just have it their way. But why? The left is doing what they want now regardless. The laws and the court decisions mean nothing to them. The agencies that we depended on to keep us safe have turned their web of cyber intelligence on the people. You've been tracked. Your purchases have been tracked. And I know in some cases where they have tracked American phones prior to and the day of January 6, 2021. There was even one that was tracked all the way in California. He wasn't close to Washington, D.C. But the FBI visited his house in front of his child and he was arrested. Earlier this week, Donald Trump released a statement about another indictment. And this time, Special Prosecutor Jack Smith will try to get him for the January 6 insurrection. Trump will be arrested and charged again. America is at a point where political opponents arrest and imprison their competition. America has been hijacked by a Marxist ideology. The speech and thought police shut down voices and censor Americans, trampling on the very founding of this country and the rights given to us by God as humans. On September 11th, 2001, America was hijacked by terrorists. Four planes took off that morning from different East Coast cities. Three of them hit their targets. Two went to the World Trade Center and another to the Pentagon. The patriots on that fourth plane had heard about the other three planes, and they knew, as they were hijacked, what their destiny would be. The 40 Americans on Flight 93, like great Americans before them, took the fight. To the terrorists. Against all odds, they fought the hijackers, preventing them from hitting their target. It was a selfless sacrifice that saved hundreds, if not thousands of lives. Todd Beamer was on Flight 93. He spoke to his wife by phone and to a GTE operator. Here are Todd Beamer's last words. Listen to me. I want you to hear this. I've talked with the others We've decided we would not be pawns in these hijackers' suicidal plot. And then in a softer voice, he said, God, help me. Jesus, help me. He cleared his throat and he got louder. Are you guys ready? Let's roll. At this moment in American history, we need more Todd Beamers and passengers of Flight 93. This country has been hijacked, and you're the next target. Welcome to the program. I'm Booker Scott, and thanks for joining us on America Out Loud, Talk Radio, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I really appreciate you finding us. In a couple of minutes, uh, I'm going to get into some of the hearings that happened on Capitol Hill this week with the whistleblowers. It, It revealed some information that I had already brought to you in the past, but I think it's very important to revisit that and also what Marjorie Taylor Greene did. This week in a hearing. Before we get to all that, I often wonder how exactly did we get here? What happened to this country, to society? I I'm sure you wonder the same thing. My my first full-time job in radio was in 1986, and I was the on-air personality of an adult contemporary radio station. I was on seven to midnight and I did a show called Relaxing Rhythms. Remember those shows? with the sound of the soft waves lapping onto the beach and that was in the background and the lights would be low and here comes Luther Vandross and Anita Baker and Billy Vera and the Beaters. Remember them?
4: What did you think
5: I would do at this moment
1: When you're standing before me With tears in your
0: eyes. I was inspired to be a broadcaster by listening to the radio from a very young age. Marty Brenneman and the old left-hander, rounding third and headed for home, Joe Nuxall, would come through my little transistor radio about 400 miles from Cincinnati, Ohio. But they painted the picture of the big red machine, the baseball team, Cincinnati Reds on 700 WLW. I listened to them almost every night. Of course, there was Casey Kasem and the Top 40 Countdown every weekend. I I had to listen to it. Maybe there would be a girl that would uh, offer a long-distance dedication to me. Of course, that (laughs) never happened. Another one that inspired me was the voice that we all grew up with, and that was Paul Harvey. Another part of my job every day was to record Paul Harvey from the newsfeed, and that was to be played the next day. There was the 15-minute segment during the midday and the rest of the story. Paul Harvey was the best, and maybe he knew a long time ago how we would get to this very point in this country. You've probably heard this, but maybe we should hear Paul Harvey again in this moment. This was 60 years ago, almost 60 years ago, from 1965, the great Paul Harvey. If I were the devil...
2: And I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Paul Harvey.
0: Good day. And that's the great Paul Harvey. And just hearing the voice again brings back memories of better times for me and hopefully for you too. It's amazing that that was almost 60 years ago. We had a warning. And now we look back and the mistakes that we've made, we see clearly and we see where we are as a country. This is truly a battle of good and evil. I mentioned in the opening that the executive branch is ignoring court decisions and doing whatever they want to. I say executive because you're never going to convince me that Joe Biden knows what day of the week it is, much less have the ability to come up with all the loopholes that they're using to try to just laugh at the courts and move forward with their socialist agenda. He can't even climb steps of the plane, the Air Force One, and he can't even find his way off stage. Last month, the Supreme Court shot down the Biden regime's attempt to forgive the student loan debt. You know, Biden was attempting to use the HEROES Act of 2003, and the court said it was an extreme overreach of authority and could not be used, to relieve borrowers' debts in connection with the pandemic. The Biden regime was attempting to circumvent the system in favor of their tyrannical decisions, like a dictator. Of course, Biden ran on forgiving the student loans, and that meant a lot of young people voted for him in 20. And the failure to forgive this debt for these young voters will expose another Democrat lie, another Joe Biden lie, and it could also affect the 24 election it's an important giveaway for Joe Biden. So now they're going to go back further into American history to circumvent the American people in Congress and try to use the Higher Education Act of 1965. That law will require public hearings this time, and they'll also have to go through a rulemaking process that will require feedback from stakeholders, and they'll also have a say in that final proposal. However, The 65 Higher Education Act was last extended by Congress in 2013, which would have taken it through 2014 year. And now we see the Biden administration not only going around the Supreme Court of the United States, but they're attempting to go around the people and our representatives in Congress. No surprise there, but the first public hearing for the Higher Education Act was this week, and I find the arguments made by the Undersecretary of Education for Biden interesting. Undersecretary of Education James Caval said that the administration's, quote, goal is to provide debt relief to borrowers, particularly those working and middle-class borrowers who need it most, and to recognize that far too many student loan borrowers are left with unaffordable, unreasonable, and unacceptable debts. We want to help borrowers who were let down by the fundamental bargain of federal student loans. That investments in yourself and your education will help lead you to a better life, Cavall said. Last quote, By those who have seen their debts get out of hand, even as they made the payments we ask them. We will help as many borrowers as possible, and we will work as closely and quickly as possible under law. The question is, what law? That's me asking that question, no longer in quotes. If it hasn't been extended since 2014, exactly what law are they using? He also said that too many students are left with unaffordable, unreasonable, and unacceptable debts. Why is that? Maybe colleges and universities have outpriced the market. Did anyone teach any of these kids ROI or their parents? A return on investment? If you're paying $200,000 to get a degree to make $40,000 a year, I don't think you're smart enough to go to college, and (laughs) you're, you're definitely not smart enough to get a loan for college. And even when we put all of that aside, to me, there's a bigger question to the student loan forgiveness, and that's about fairness. It seems to me, paying off all these student loans now would set up the biggest class action lawsuit in the history of America. How is it fair to all the kids through the years that chose to take a different path in life because college was just really out of reach for them? Their parents couldn't afford it. Their families couldn't afford it. They chose to go to work, not college. If they had known they could have gone to college and their loans would have just been forgiven and never have to repay them, how many would have chosen a different path for their life? And what about the parents that saved for their kids' college? To give their kids a better opportunity in life. A lot of these parents sacrificed. They worked two, three jobs, maybe. They skipped family vacations to pay for higher education. How is that fair to them? Is anyone going to refund their money? Give back that period of their lives that they sacrificed? Representative Byron Donalds of Florida remarks on this.
6: They just want to do it their way, regardless of the law, regardless of the Constitution. They were just smacked down by the Supreme Court because Joe Biden, with the original student loan bailout, knew it was unconstitutional. He knew he violated separation of powers. And so what do they do? They just find another way to do this. And this is not good for our country. You can't just have the executive just making these decisions without the people's branch agreeing. Last thing about this, it is not fair. And I know sometimes the Democrats like to talk about fairness. It is not fair for somebody who's an electrical contractor who did not go to college to have their taxpayer dollars being used to basically pay off the student loans of another American who did go to college. It's just not right. It creates a serious moral hazard. And so we're going to fight this every way that we can. We're in the middle of the appropriations process. On Capitol Hill. And so we're going to try to find a way to to squeeze this.
0: So we will have to keep an eye on that as the Biden administration is trying to figure out a way around the Supreme Court of the United States and also around Congress. We'll have to see if the dictator, Joe Biden, the Biden regime gets their way with this. Something else that happened this week in a hearing was Bobby Kennedy Jr., R.F.K. Jr., who is running for president against Joe Biden as a Democrat. And he was in a hearing about censorship and silencing people. You may not know this, but he has been censored by both Republican and Democrat presidents in the past about some of his thoughts and his speech. And in this particular hearing, over 100 different Democrats have signed a letter about him being anti-Semitic. And he's had enough of it. Here's Bobby Kennedy.
1: In my entire life, I have never uttered a phrase that was either racist or anti-Semitic. I have spent my life fighting my professional career, fighting for Israel, for the protection of Israel. I have a better record on Israel than anybody in this chamber today. I'm the only person who has publicly objected to the $2 billion payout that the Biden administration is now making to Iran, which is, a, is a, a genocidal program. I'm the only one who's subjected to that. I fought more ferociously for Israel than anybody. But I am being censored here through this target, through, uh, through, through smears, through misinterpretations of what I've said, through lies, through association, which is a tactic we all thought we had been discredited and dispensed with after the army mccarthy hearings in the 1950s but those same weapons are now being deployed against me to silence me i know many of the people who wrote this letter i don't believe there's a single person who signed this letter who believes i'm anti-semitic i do not believe that there is no evidence of that i want to say something I think that's, that's more important and it goes directly to what you talked about, ranking member, which is the, the, the need, the, the, this toxic polarization that is destroying our country today. And how do we deal with that? We are more, this kind of division is more dangerous for our country than any time since the American Civil War. And how do we deal with that? How are we going to, every Democrat on this committee believes that we need to end that polarization. Do you think you can do that by censoring people? I'm telling you, you cannot. That only aggravates and amplifies the problem. We need to start being kind to each other. We need to start being respectful to each other. We need to start start restoring the comedy to this chamber and, and, and to the rest of America. But it has to start here. My uncle Edward Kennedy has more legislation with his name on it than any senator in United States history. Why is that? Because he was able to reach across the aisle. Because he didn't deal in insults. Because he didn't try to censor people. Today, we need to give an example in the leadership of our country of being respectful to each other. If you think I said something that's anti-Semitic, let's talk about the details. I'm telling you all the things that I'm accused of right now by you. And in this letter are distortions, they're misrepresentations. I didn't say those things.
0: Again, that's Bobby Kennedy. I think he makes a lot of great points there. It really is time to start unifying somehow and insults and censorship is not the way we're gonna go about that in this country. So how, how is that going to stop? I, I don't know. I don't have answers. I tell you that all the time. Coming up on the back half of this hour, it's going to be a really fast-moving half hour because I'm going to bring you whistleblower testimony and what happened on the, on Capitol Hill this week. But before we do that, I want to get to going all the way back to 2020 election. And you know about the letter that the 51 intelligence uh former intelligence people wrote and signed about the Hunter Biden laptop having all the earmarks of Russian disinformation, and we know about the Russian hoax and all of that stuff. Well, you know, the story was originally broke about Hunter Biden's laptop through the New York Post, and the person that broke that story that did all the research that corroborated everything testified on Capitol Hill. Let's listen to her. This is Emma Jo Morris, who now writes for Breitbart, but at the time she was at New York Post, and she talks about being censored in the press.
7: I'm here today because I published a series of news stories three years ago in October of 2020 about Hunter Biden's now infamous laptop, also known as the laptop from hell, uh, which is seen as some of the most scandalous reporting of the last decade. What was more scandalous than the reporting itself, though, was the fact that it exposed the unholy alliance between the intelligence community, social media platforms, and legacy media outlets. At the time, I was deputy politics editor at the New York Post, and um, my reporting showed that despite then-candidates Joe Biden's repeated and furious denials, he was apparently involved in the foreign business deals of his family. Over several days, just weeks before Americans would vote for their next president, I revealed verified authentic emails from the Biden Scion's hard drive showing Ukrainian business partners receiving leaks from the Obama White House. I documented an off-the-books meeting between then-Vice President Biden and a Ukrainian energy executive and introduced the world to the big guy um, who got action on a deal with CEFC, China Energy Company. The Post published exactly how the material for the reporting was obtained, even identifying our sources, um, as well as a federal subpoena showing the FBI was in possession of the material. The story was based on and had been since December of 2019. But when the stories appeared on social media that morning, the venue where millions of Americans go to find their news and editors to get their angles, uh, within hours the reporting was censored on all major platforms on the basis of being called hacked or Russian disinformation. Twitter refused to allow users to share the link to the stories, banned the links from being shared in private messages, a policy, by the way, that's used to clamp down on child porn and lock the post out of its verified account. Facebook said it would curb distribution and reach of the links on its platform. However, the stories were not based on hacked materials, nor were they Russian disinformation. And despite those claims appearing to come out of thin air at the time, we would eventually learn that They actually didn't come out of thin air at all. On October 19th, five days after the Post began publishing, Politico ran a story headlined, Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinfo, dozens of former Intel officials say. God, I can't even say that with a straight face, you know. (laughs) Politico printed a letter completely uncritically. From veteran members of the U.S. intelligence community falsely claiming that the post-expose has, quote, all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation.
0: And, of course, we know all about that letter that was originated from Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. We know that now. And I played that clip for you because so much of what we're going to talk about in the second half of this hour has so much to do with that laptop that we were told at the beginning it wasn't real even though most of us knew that it was and now it's all unraveling for joe biden they have used up joe biden at this point it's time to bring in gavin Newsom, who by the way this week <laughs> announces he's going to run for president i did write about that seven months ago that when they started finding joe biden's classified documents all over the place it was just a matter of time before someone else came in to run for president for the Democrats. They are finished with Joe Biden. We're going to get into this hearing in just a minute that happened on Capitol Hill this week. Very, very important information coming for you from the whistleblowers, the IRS whistleblowers. Why don't you stay with us? Let's hear it together. It's coming up next on America Out Loud Talk Radio.
8: How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Co-Fix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? CoFix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Co-Fix RX is already famous for a powerful virus hostile nasal solution. And now we have a throat spray too.
0: for 25% off your first order.
8: These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity
10: For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your
7: teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe. Air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill. No drowning sensation. Clear is a natural, drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R dot com.
2: AmericaOutloud.com
0: And welcome back to Our Lives and Politics here on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm Booker Scott. As always, thank you so much for joining us. And while I'm here talking about this, let's let's talk about the app that you can listen to, America Out Loud, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Go to either Play Store, whether you have an Android or an iPhone, and search for America Out Loud. Talk radio, and you can download that app. We would appreciate it. And as always, thank you for supporting our sponsors and advertisers. And please continue to do that. I'm going to get into the whistleblower testimony from this week and the hearing that took place around the Hunter Biden IRS investigation. How important is it? Well, I think it's probably the best evidence, the real evidence that we've heard or seen of the two-tiered justice system, the unequal justice system in America, or the injustice system that we are currently living in. And it gets back to what I started this hour with, and that's the hijacked American systems and institutions. The accusations made will claim that Attorney General Merrick Garland prevented felony charges for Hunter Biden from U.S. Attorney and Trump appointee David Weiss, the Delaware U.S. Attorney. There's also evidence that Weiss himself slow-walked the investigation and even derailed it. So I wonder, is it possible that Merrick Garland didn't know all the details? If key information didn't get to him, it's possible. But I doubt it. It's Joe Biden's son we're talking about. But that's still a question that needs to be answered. How high up in the DOJ did all of this go? Who was making the decision not to charge Hunter Biden with felonies, with crimes that would have put you or me in prison? Mike Davis joined our program a few months ago, and I want to go back to some things that he said about deputy attorney generals those are the ones that are directly under Merrick Garland so if you think it's just Merrick Garland you may have missed some of these key names we've all heard before
11: it's Attorney General Merrick Garland's the number one Lisa Monaco's the number two she's uh yep. she's uh she's the Deputy Attorney General who's supposed to run the criminal side and Lisa Monica, or excuse me and uh, Venita Gupta supposed to run the civil side and then you have people like Kristen Clark it is it is a completely politicized and weaponized Justice Department, and they don't even make any bones about it whatsoever. You have you have the FBI. We have Chris Wray as the director of the FBI, and frankly, I think he's uh, President Trump's biggest mistake. When I became the chief counsel for nominations to then Chairman Chuck Grassley, my second day on the job was the Chris Wray hearing, and I remember the Democrats and even the Republicans all spun up this was back in 2017, July of 2017, all spun up about Russian collusion and how Russia how 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 Trump was essentially captured by the Russians. And we had to have this FBI director to come in and be independent to, to save our republic from Trump and that he was you know captured by Vladimir Putin. And I thought it was so strange. Um, but you have to remember, Chris Ray. He's a deep stater. He is. Mm-hmm. He has been Jim. Co- he was Jim Comey's protege, his deputy for five years. Right when when Comey was the deputy attorney general. I don't know if it's just because he's this wealthy, aloof, you know, white guy who doesn't want to rock the boat and he's just scared and you know w- wants to be timid and lets the FBI run him. I've I've heard that theory that the FBI runs him instead of running the FBI. But the bottom line is, is that. You, you have very clear evidence that the FBI's Washington field office, uh, several other field offices, and their, their counter-espionage and counter-intelligence components have been corrupted by po- with politics. What the heck has he done about it? What, what has
0: he done about this? What- that is a fair question. <laughs> exactly. What has Chris Ray done about the FBI? We're seeing Donald Trump being indicted, for things that he probably shouldn't be indicted for. And then we're seeing Hunter Biden be let off with nothing for crimes and big crimes. We're talking felonies here with Hunter Biden, but it's being overlooked. As we get into the sworn testimony, ask yourself, why is this so important? Because again, we see Trump being indicted and he's probably going to be indicted again in Fulton County, Georgia. The letter Trump got from the special prosecutor, Jack Smith, telling Trump that the latest indictment was going to come out, that happened just days before this hearing that we're going to get into. Another distraction, if you let it distract you. What's this all about? Matt Gates released a statement on video this week. Let's listen to this.
11: Matt Gates, You would not see this continued pattern of indictment over indictment over indictment if they thought they had neutralized Trump. Is there a single American who believes that Donald Trump would be getting indicted over these things if he were not running for president again, and if he were not the leading contender for president again? And while this isn't a political show, you all can search the polling and see how President Trump is doing in the Republican field and in the general election. Again, not here to break that down. It's relevant to us insofar as it informs the decision of a weaponized government to target him which is exactly the allegation that President Trump makes uh, in his statement.
0: So, of course, I think any of us could answer that question. If Trump announced today that he has decided not to seek reelection in twenty four, there's no doubt in my mind and probably not in your mind that all of these indictments would go away. So why are they indicting him and hiding up these other crimes? Now, to this hearing with Chairman Comer, the Republican from Kentucky. He's in charge of this. And the ranking member for the Democrats from Maryland is Jamie Raskin. Gary Shapley. He is the IRS whistleblower, the one that you've heard about so much. He's made some rounds on television. You've seen some of those interviews probably. And you've heard some of what he has to say. Here he is under oath.
5: I worked as a special agent for IRS criminal investigation for 14 years. I have risen to become a senior leader in the organization and currently supervise 12 elite agents in the International Tax and Financial Crimes Group. I have worked directly with United States attorneys in multiple districts and have supervised or investigated cases in more than a dozen United States attorneys' offices across the country. I have led, planned, or executed undercover operations or search warrants in more than a dozen countries. I have investigated and managed some of the largest cases in the history of the agency, recovering more than $3.5 billion for the United States taxpayer. In this country, we believe in the rule of law, and that applies to everyone. There should not be a two-track justice system depending on who you are and who you're connected to. Yet, in this case, there was. Based on my experience, I'm here to tell you that the Delaware U.S. Attorney's Office and Department of Justice handling the Hunter-Biden tax investigation was very different from any other case in my 14 years at the IRS. At every stage, decisions were made that benefited the subject of this investigation. For example, prosecutors concealed contents of Hunter Biden's laptop from investigators. DOJ slow walked steps to include interviews, serving document requests, and executing search warrants. Warrants that were ready as early as April of 2020, but were delayed until after the November, November 2020 election and never pursued Investigators were not allowed to follow up on WhatsApp messages from Hunter Biden's Apple iCloud backup, where he suggested he was sitting next to his father. Assistant United States Attorney Leslie Wolf cited the optics of executing a search warrant at President Biden's residence as a deciding factor for not allowing it, even though she agreed that probable cause existed. Prosecutors instructed investigators not to ask about the big guy or dad when conducting interviews. The Biden transition team was tipped off about interviews the night before the investigation went over, a fact my FBI counterpart confirmed to this committee in a recent testimony, where the result was that only one witness spoke to investigators that day. These are just some of the examples of how our investigation was stymied. I am not here to support partisan agendas on either side. I am here because our tax system relies on the American people having confidence it is administered fairly and equally for everyone, regardless of your last name. Or political connections.
0: And you hear there Shapley saying that they only had one interview. One person interviewed during the Hunter Biden investigation. Everyone else was off limits. Something else he said that was very interesting. The search warrant. There was a search warrant. And I did a program about three weeks ago. And we talked about this. This was the program where we talked about the FD-1023. I think it was three or four weeks ago there was a search warrant. So let's get Congressman Higgins of Louisiana to fill in some of these blanks for us.
3: At a 12-hour long meeting with U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware, the prosecution team, Wolf and Weiss are in attendance. Shapley shares an IRS plan to interview Biden associate Rob Walker. Wolf objects to this plan to the dismay of those in the room. But she said, we do not want to ask about the big guy. And stated she did not want to ask about dad. December 8, 2020, investigator Shapley, investigator Ziegler, meeting with special agent Joe Gordon, received a call from Hunter Biden's attorneys stating that they would accept service for document requests but declined requests for the interview. The IRS investigators were only able to conduct one meaningful interview, that with Biden associate Rob Walker. That day, investigations revealed to the press. December 9, 2020, Wolf gets involved again to interrupt the investigation. December 14, 2020, Assistant U.S. Attorney Wolf tips off Biden counsel about an IRS plan They had reached a threshold of probable cause to execute a search warrant on a storage unit in Northern Virginia. U.S. Attorney Wolf calls Hunter Biden's attorney and alerts him to the pending search warrant being executed. You stated, Investigator Shapley, that at every stage during your investigation, decisions were made that benefited the subject of the investigation. Who was the subject of the investigation, good sir? Hunter Biden. Thank you very much. And I think I clarified for America why we were interested in Hunter Biden, because he sold access to his father, the big guy. And you Americans out there may have a compromised president in your White House, Mrs. Ziegler. How did the IRS investigation regarding Hunter Biden begin? Tell us briefly, sir.
6: It was a review of bank records regarding
8: another investigation I was working.
3: So it was ancillary to another criminal investigation. Is that correct, sir? Correct. And you are a criminal investigator. Is that correct, sir? That is correct. Not civil?
6: That is correct.
3: Thank you very much. Investigator Shapley, in the September 3rd, 2020 meeting with the prosecution team for the Hunter Biden case, Assistant U.S. Attorney Leslie Wolf told your team there was more than enough probable cause for the physical search warrant of the guest house at then former Vice President's Delaware residence where Hunter Biden stayed for a time. Did U.S. Attorney Leslie Wolf confirm your investigative effort that you had sufficient probable cause for search? Yes, she did. Thank you very much. But you've told Congress that. Assistant U.S. Attorney Wolf also said that the question was whether the juice was worth the squeeze. That's a quote. And that optics were a driving factor in the decision on whether to execute a search warrant.
0: And you heard Congressman Higgins there mention Ziegler. Ziegler is a name we haven't heard before. Ziegler is whistleblower X. And until this hearing, the name and identity of this IRS agent had been withheld. He had previously testified behind closed doors for the Ways and Means Committee, but here he is for the first time in public. The name, again, is Joseph Ziegler. And I think it's very important to point out Mr. Ziegler is a Democrat. He's also a gay man that is married to another man. And I think that shows this isn't a political thing. Ziegler is about being right. It's a right and wrong thing. We're going to get to Marjorie Taylor Greene in just a couple of minutes, because she brought out pictures, and thank goodness this is audio only on the radio and on a podcast, so that you don't have to see the pictures that she brought out from Hunter's laptop. But before we do that, let's go to James Comer and him questioning Joseph Ziegler, the ex-whistleblower. How much money
9: did Hunter Biden and his associates receive from the Romanian company you identified? Uh, from Romania, so the approximate total transfers from the Romania company would have been 3.1 million to everyone. 3.1 million. How much did Hunter Biden and his business associates receive from State Energy HK Limited through the Robinson Walker LLC? So total transfers from State Energy HK to Rob Walker was three million. Three million. Was there a hundred thousand dollar payment from CEFC Infrastructure to Owasco PC Hunter Biden's? professional corporation?
6: Uh, Yes, chairman.
9: Approximately how much was transferred to Hunter Biden and his business associates through Hudson West 3? The total transfers from Hudson West 3 to everyone was 3.7 million. 3.7 million. How much money did Hunter Biden and his business associates receive from the Ukrainian company Burisma? Uh, Burisma paid to everyone involved 6.5 million. 6.5 million. Burisma also paid Blue Star Strategies and a law firm, hundreds of thousands of dollars, bringing the total brispa payments to over $7 million. Is is that correct?
6: That is correct. $7.3 million.
0: If you don't have a calculator, let me update you. That's <laughs> over $17 million that the Bidens took in from foreign governments, from foreign nationals, for something. I'm going to play you something in a few minutes that's going to tie all of this together so that you'll have a better understanding of it. Representative MTG says Hunter Biden paid $10,000 to join a sex club. And guess what? He wrote that off as a golf club membership, and she brought in the receipts to show it. She also gave out a parental warning that if you had children, you don't want to see the picture she brought. But here is Marjorie Taylor Green.
10: I would also like to say that when evidence and proof of a crime is presented No prosecution should be denied, no matter who the person is. Uh, To the whistleblowers today, I thank both of you for your courage to come to the committee today and your commitment to to truth. Uh, I have great respect for it, so thank you. I would like to talk with you both about Hunter Biden and his tax write-offs with his law firm, Owasco. I would like to ask uh, Mr. Ziegler, when did you start your investigation and your testimony? It was November 2018. Is that correct? Yes or no?
6: Yes, that's correct.
10: Thank you. During your testimony with the, House, with the House Ways and Means Committee, you stated that through bank records, you identified Hunter Biden was paying prostitutes related to a potential prostitution ring. Is that correct? Yes or no?
5: Yes, that's correct.
10: I've also reviewed those same bank reports, commonly referred to as SARS, suspicious activity reports, and I'm very troubled by them. We read thousands of them in the Treasury. This particular excerpt from a SARS report talks about human trafficking uh, and in regards to Hunter Biden and Owasco and payments he was making. What's even more troubling to me is that the Department of Justice has brought no charges against Hunter Biden that will vindicate the rights of these women who are clearly victims under the law. I would like to talk about in your prior testimony, you stated that the prosecutorial team was investigating violations of the man act is that correct mr ziegler
6: that is correct
10: i would like to present this to the committee this is showing hunter biden paying for a victim's united flight from la to dulles um she he flew her from los angeles to washington
0: and again i think we all know about hunter biden's personal problems and his character flaws There you have Marjorie Taylor Greene going after that and suggesting he should have been arrested. There are a lot of allegations she's making there, showing some proof. But again, how it fits into foreign nationals paying them millions to do favors for them. I don't know how that that fits into it. But yes, Hunter Biden, personally, not a great person. We know that. Well, what about the Democrats in this hearing? I think we would all want to understand exactly what is happening with the Hunter laptop and why the investigation in the DOJ didn't go forward and why the investigators were stopped short of indicting Hunter Biden. Regardless of whether you're on the left or the right, Republican or Democrat, shouldn't we have equal justice under the law unless we are truly hijacked? If I were a Democrat, I would want to know, but no, AOC is here. And she has something else to talk about.
1: When we talk about political influence, we are not here today, unfortunately, because the facts have brought us here. We are here today because Donald Trump is exerting an influence campaign in Congress when he is no longer president of the United States.
0: So again, for the Democrats, it's not about what is actually happening and what can be proven. Who is guilty of a crime and who isn't? Whether it is equal justice under the law, it is about Donald Trump. It's Donald Trump's fault. Every one of these investigations, they always do it. But that's not all they do. They also ask other stupid questions. Here's one, and I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. It's another Democrat. And I'm going to go with Queasy Mfum. The last name is spelled M-F-U-M-E. I'm not sure if the M or the F is silent, but... As he questions Shapley and Ziegler, understand the IRS was weaponized under Obama against the conservatives, especially the Tea Party. And we also already know what the FBI has done with the Russian collusion hoax. So we can't trust either one of these agencies.
6: Here's what galls me. I don't like these attacks on the Department of Justice, the FBI, the IRS, as if they are somehow anti-U.S. agencies Those agencies keep this democracy in check. It keeps them in float. They provide the checks and they provide the balances.
0: Is that what you have seen out of the DOJ and the IRS the last five, ten years? It's not what I've seen. Well, my old friend, well, there is a congressman from South Carolina, District 4, which is Spartanburg. Honestly, I had not heard of him before this, but I think he sums it up Perfectly, And I want you to pay attention to this and listen to this. I think this, this is just a perfect way to explain what the Bidens have done.
4: I'm going to try to help simplify this for the American people. We are here today because our institutions are broken. The DOJ, the FBI, the IRS have transformed from a balanced apparatus of justice into the political weapon of the left, a process that I believe began during the Obama administration. They actively pursue individuals based on their ideological beliefs, specifically targeting Donald Trump, who poses a significant threat to the political left. Upon his election, the bureaucratic resistance didn't stop. Their hatred for Trump permeated throughout their work, attempting to cripple his administration almost every turn. And for the last 30 months, the DOJ, the FBI, and the IRS have worked to not only protect the criminal actions of the Biden family, but to continue persecuting President Trump. Some describe this as a 2 tier system of justice, but what it really is, it's a system deliberately and systematically prosecuting individuals within the Trump orbit due to their hatred for President Trump. Simultaneously, they cover up the crimes of the current president and members of his family, all while issuing selectively timed and perfectly planned indictments against President Trump. Today, we are joined by two whistleblowers from the IRS— there are also whistleblowers from within the FBI and the DOJ. All these people are stepping forward now because after the 2022 election, the American people have entrusted the House majority to Republicans, granting us subpoena power. With gavels in hand, we now possess crucial evidence just months into our investigations. The American people can see plain as day the corruption, bribery, and criminal actions of the Biden family. We are here to do the jobs that the DOJ, the FBI, and the IRS refuse to do. They have failed to fulfill their duties and properly investigate the Biden family and their international bribery schemes, which resulted in million-dollar payouts. I want to again thank you both for coming forward. I cannot imagine how difficult this has been on you and your family. I think the best use of my time is to help simplify the complex scheme for the American people, help do the job that DOJ, IRS, and FBI, they just refuse to do. We talk about China, we talk about Romania, Ukraine, it all seems complicated. But this scheme was born in 2014 in Ukraine and then replicated in other countries. Ukraine is the proof of concept, if you will. This is the scheme. Simple. Foreign client has a problem. Pays a Biden. Vice President Biden travels to the country. Vice President Biden leverages U.S. influence to force a favorable outcome for the client. The Biden family earns their fee. That's the scheme. That's the scheme. So Let's just start with Ukraine so I can just show you the proof of concept. I'm going to walk you through the timeline. In 2014, Burisma has a problem. They want to get their stock listed on Wall Street. But the prosecutor general is investigating corruption, and they can't get the outcome they want in New York. So what do they do? They hire Hunter Biden, pay him millions of dollars. Mr. Ziegler, my only question for you is going to be, if I can direct you to page 99 of your transcript, is it accurate to say Hunter Hunter Biden received millions of dollars from Burisma?
6: Yes, that would be
5: accurate.
4: Thank you. Uh, To the American people, I want to point out briefly that Hunter Biden has absolutely zero qualifications in this industry or in business in general, but he does have the big guy. November 2nd, 2015, an email to Hunter, um, Burisma uh, executive, says that he's demanding a high-level U.S. official visit Ukraine to force out Shokin. This is in an email obtained from Hunter Biden's laptop. Uh, November 14th, 2015, Hunter Biden confirms the big guy's on the way. Vice President Biden's coming. Have no fear. December 7th through 9th, Biden has an official visit using U.S. tax dollars threatens President Poroshenko to withhold a billion-dollar loan guarantee if Shokin isn't fired. He lied about this during the campaign. He specifically said it wasn't true. Sure enough, Shokin's fired. If you have any questions about whether he fired him, uh, January 23rd of 2018, he brags about it years later. Ladies and gentlemen, American people, that's the scheme. That is the proof of concept they replicated it again and again because they never dreamt Biden would be president. No one did, but he is our president. And because of his actions, because of him selling policy decisions to adversaries abroad for personal gain, he is vulnerable, he is vulnerable. And our national security is vulnerable because of it. We are not here to prosecute Hunter Biden. We don't care about Hunter Biden. We care about our country's national security decisions and whether our president is compromised. That's why we're here. That is why we're here. With that, Mr. Chairman, I yield back.
0: And I think Congressman Timmons did a great job there of kind of giving an impression of what has been happening in our country. Another way to put it is the way I put it at the beginning of this hour. Our institutions, our agencies, our government has been hijacked. Three of the four planes, we already know what they've done. We need more Todd Beamers right now in America. We need more passengers from Flight 93. It's time to stand up, speak out against the things that we know aren't right. The things that we see are wrong. We can't just stand around and do nothing. We have to get active, we have to get involved. We talk about it all the time here on this network get involved in local politics, try to make a difference locally. I'm Booker Scott, and you've been listening to Our Lives and Politics, and I really do appreciate you doing that. You are the salt of the earth, so be salty. You've been listening to Our Lives and Politics on the America Out Loud Network.